welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 200th edition, a milestone, if you will, of Assembly Call Radio, and our 672nd, a less impressive milestone episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of February 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes a shot. Well, since it's part of my coaching duties, I ended up running a skills and drill session for about 30 third and fourth graders tonight. I didn't get home with much time to prepare, and thus, I will simply read what Jared has typed for me here, trusting that he would not include any profanities or offensive statements that I might unwittingly read like Ron Burgundy. Yeah, don't go Ron Burgundy. Yeah, definitely not. For this week's banner moment, we're going back to the first half of Indiana's game with Illinois when, for a brief time, the Hoosiers played with the kind of pace and confidence we tune in each game hoping to see. And the best part, it was the young guys leading the way. At the 447 mark of the first half, Illinois clung to a 29-27 lead. Indiana then controlled the rest of the half, outscoring Illinois by 9 to take a 41-34 lead into the half. Armand Franklin had a dunk, Christian Lander had a rebound, an assist, and a three. Trey Galloway added an assist, and Ray Thompson led the way with two points, two assists, two rebounds, and a steal. Each of those guys is projected to be back in an IU uniform next season with multiple seasons of eligibility remaining. The other guy who was out there was Trace Jackson Davis, who scored six of his 19 points. And it wasn't a coincidence that this was his most efficient stretch of the game, even with Kofi Coburn on the floor. Lander, Galloway, and Franklin are Indiana's three most aggressive ball handlers. The offense has more energy and pace when they play. This is why Indiana's shot chart looks so much better during this stretch. Dunks and layups are threes, as opposed to the long twos they settled for so many times in this game. Granted, the issue for Lander, Galloway, and even Franklin has been turnovers and poor shot selection. But when they dial their aggressiveness back to a productive level, as they did here, we start to see the kind of offense we expected when Archie Miller took over. And it shouldn't be a surprise to see young ball handlers take some time to learn this. There were always going to be growing pains with Indiana's young guards, especially Lander and Galloway, as they learn how to assimilate their aggressive style into the size and speed of college hoops. But now they're doing what freshmen often do, maturing and playing like the game has slowed down a bit as we head down the stretch in February. In a season of disappointment, this is at least encouraging. Nothing has held Indiana basketball back more over the last half decade than subpar guard play. But with how Armand Franklin has emerged this season and the development we're seeing from Lander, Galloway, and even Anthony Leal, there is at least some hope that Indiana has the pieces on its roster to have adequate or better guard play in the future. Will it be good enough to salvage the season? We'll find out. One thing is for sure. This Indiana team certainly needs more stretches like what we saw at the end of the first half and fewer of whatever it was that we saw in overtime. This has been the Banner Moment. I'm Andy Bottoms. Go blank yourself, San Diego. All right. Now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Coach is off tonight, potentially polishing a fantasy football trophy that he uh, proudly displayed on Twitter today. And Jared is somewhere putting himself, patting himself on the back for how clever that stupid and overplayed Ron Burgundy joke was. But here with me, to my left. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, a, uh, any rants, additional rants, two days after, uh, after the Illinois game? 
Yeah, I, I I started thinking about this the night after the Illinois game and, and just kind of looking at the landscape of the Big Ten. And what got me even angrier than I was after that game in which I had an opening rant and then my closing thought was essentially a second rant um, because I just couldn't hold back anymore. I, I, I think that the sad part we're looking at here is that if you look across the landscape of the Big Ten over the last five years, you could make a very convincing argument that Indiana is the ninth best program in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan, certainly a better program. Illinois right now, better program. Iowa wins, certainly wins more. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't want their coach, but they win more. Uh, Ohio State, certainly a better program. Wisconsin, Purdue, uh, and then possibly, you know, definitely Michigan State, although they're having a, a struggle this year. And, and then you'd have to potentially argue that Maryland's a better program. They've had more good seasons in the last five than Indiana has. And when Indiana is supposed to be this elite top tier program and you look at it and they're probably ninth in the big 10 over that span. I mean, where, what are we doing? Why, why, how are we here? And I'm not just putting this on the coaches or the players or, or, or this group or this guy or whatever. It's, it's, it's a whole, it's a, it's a school wide problem. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's certainly an athletic d- department problem is how has it come to this? How have they fallen so far? How has this school fallen so far? And you look at over the last 20 years and it's been, there've been some highs, but there've also been some devastating lows in there as well. And this is supposed to be Indiana basketball and it's supposed to be the pinnacle and it's supposed to be such a, 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 a desirable program. And it's supposed to be a place where not only coaches, but players want to go. And we've sunk to a level that's unacceptable if you're, if you're an Indiana fan. And I think that there has to be some real soul searching and and look, Archie Miller could turn this around this year. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for big wins and, and potentially, but as Andy pointed out, they haven't had a three game winning streak since December of last season. You know, what, what is the evidence here that we're going to see a miraculous turnaround and the light bulb is going to go on for everybody and they're going to go on a run and compete. Um, so I guess it's just disappointment is where I'm at right now. And that's why I was upset because there's so many of these games where they, oh, they just lost. But, you know, the Big Ten's tough. Well, you know what? Other coaches and other programs figure it out. Other coaches and other programs are doing just fine in the tough Big Ten. And, yeah, they lose some tough games because every night in and night out, it's rough. But they figure out a way to win more than they lose. And that's just not happening at Indiana. And it hasn't happened in Indiana in a while. And there's something going on there that needs to be turned around, no matter who the coach is, no matter what the problems are from top to bottom. This needs to get figured out because Indiana's got to be better than this at basketball. It just has to. That's the identity of so much of what Indiana is about it is, is basketball. And at this point, you could, you could definitively argue we're a soccer school. I mean, I mean, it's, it, it, it would be fair to say that. So, yeah, I just... I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's not this. Whatever it is, it's not this. So that's where I'm at, and that's that's my my rant for this week heading into the Iowa game on Sunday is whatever is going on, this can't be the answer. All right, and to my right. He is one of the two godfathers of IU Sports Podcasting, the head of Indiana Sports Media Department. And as Jared wrote here, which may be worse than anything else that he had me read, everyone's favorite Twitter meat smoker. It's Galen Clavio. Galen, uh, what is on your mind this week? 
I mean, everybody's got to be known for something, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, although I'm sure there's some people that would probably try to fight me for that title. It also sounds like Ryan is sick and tired of a nine and eight record. Um, <laughs> I so, am. yeah, uh, no, but you know what? Look, I was, it was interesting when I got the invite to come on today. I was honored, as I always am. It's great to be back uh, broadcasting with you folks and, and talking with the chat mob and everybody else. But, it's a weird spot because here we are in a, a weird year, a weird season to begin with what's been essentially a weird calendar year with COVID. And the, you know, the, I think the hope was we we're going to have something exciting and fun to talk about to kind of warm us through these months that we knew were going to be difficult. And it just hasn't happened. And I, you know, the, it's tough because I think people want answers across the board on on most of these things and there really aren't any and you know to some degree a lot of the questions ryan asked are unanswerable because i don't think anybody really knows uh it's there's a there's a cosmic thing going on is it is some strange space radiation is it is it some i mean did we disrupt a burial ground any of these things are possible uh, as we as we try to, to cook hall is built on some not, ancient, an, you know right you know the, uh, you'd never know there there might have maybe like you know there was a uh, an, a relative of Everett Dean that was buried there I, I mean it's <laughs> it's hard to say exactly what the 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 voodoo is that's encompassed IU basketball um, and I will say Ryan I mean we I think we we can fully put ourselves in the football school category now like let's just go ahead and we're get all the there. way in yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're on that trajectory in. yeah but i i'll tell you the biggest depression to me now is it is so cold and miserable weather wise in indiana right now that i can't really smoke meats or grill and so even the things i would normally do during this time period to take my mind off of the melees uh, that iu basketball currently finds itself in i can't fully get into at this stage so i am lost just like the rest of you are I did have a similar thought this week. I was like, I looked out of my deck and I was like, man, it'd really be nice to grill. And then I looked and the it's supposed to be single digits over the <laughs> weekend. Mean, so it seems I, good. I've done it. Like my dad, my dad was one of those people that would grill in single digit weather and I'll do it occasionally. But I mean, it's going to be, the low is going to be four degrees next Thursday. I'm not going out in that. To, Look, to, you guys, Ryan, I don't even want, no, don't even, you're not, you're not no, able you're to. You're welcome to pack into a car drive out here we'll socially we'll social distance on my parents back deck and you guys can just come on out work remotely it's totally safe parents are vaccinated you know it's it'd be great i welcome you out anytime to when it's single digit weather it sounds sounds like a tremendous option all right so tonight <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna switch things up a little bit uh, we put out a Twitter poll earlier to gauge whether you all want us to keep talking, uh, deep diving on IU hoops or take a week off for a more lighthearted conversation. Results were split pretty closely, but uh, I think they ended up leaning toward an, an AMA style episode. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, so we've got one IU hoops topic plan, then we'll let your questions be our guide after that. As, uh, as frightening as that may seem in some of these cases. And uh, so we'll hit that next week or the rest of the show on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, but before we get to all that, uh, we do have a message from our uh, our sponsor tonight, uh, specifically Superior Insul Insulators. Uh, and the first thing you need to know about them is that, as with almost all of our sponsors, they're all diehard Hoosier fans. Brad, the owner of Superior Insulation, is an IU fan and longtime Assembly Call listener. And the second thing you need to know about Superior Insulation is that they will literally make your life more comfortable by helping you fix drafty rooms, cold floors, and even excess noise. Plus, their systems help you save money through lower utility bills, which given the temperatures Gail and I just quoted, always feels like a good thing. 
more comfort and cost savings. That's like Race Thompson blocking someone's shot, running the floor, and finishing on the other end. And with winter here, bringing its frigid temperatures, now is the perfect time to invite Brad and his team out to your home or business so that they can do for you what they did for IU. Yes, the Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. Like I said, they're Hoosiers through and through and damn good at what they do. A longtime listener, Rick, reached out back in December and told me he booked a consultation with Superior Insulation, and you should too. Because check this out. They have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You'll get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. And the Superior Insulators have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So go visit insulators.com or just Google Superior Insulation to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right, guys. Uh, so a couple a couple Hoosier headlines this week. Uh, one of those is that the Big Ten tournament, uh, multiple reports, I don't believe the conference has uh, has actually confirmed it yet, but multiple reports coming out. And it's been a drumbeat heading in this direction that the Big Ten tournament is going to be held in Indianapolis, which uh, sets up well for those teams who would make the NCAA tournament, who would, I assume, just stay there uh, as everyone else comes in uh, for the tournament. And and the other one, and Galen, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. We've uh, we've talked about it uh, certainly after the Illinois game. It's it's essentially the whether it's time for Archie Miller to give the keys to Christian Lander. Uh, Jared laid out a case for it on Twitter uh, from the Assembly Call account earlier this week, and um, it, it isn't necessarily a case of Lander starting, but I think it's you know shifting that balance of who gets the minutes at point guard to uh, to Lander. So. Uh, so Galen, from your, your vantage point, what's your, uh, what's your take on, on where that decision should go? Gosh, it's a tough one because there's certainly some positive upside to Christian Lander that he's shown over these last two games. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that as difficult a stretch as he had there really from the Butler game until the Iowa game, uh, just struggling to make an impact on either end of the floor. Uh, the, the game against Rutgers and the game against Illinois look good in comparison. I think we shouldn't go too far overboard in, you know, 30 combined minutes. He had two assists and 12 points, uh, you know, but he looked like a guy who deserved some minutes. And certainly uh, Rob Finnessy just doesn't seem to be himself at this point. The, the player that we've seen flashes of somewhat this season and certainly the last couple of seasons just is really struggling to get the job done. But, you know, look, the, the problem there, I think, is that with a young player like Lander, who's not just still learning the game mentally at the college level, but is still tr- still trying to get his physicality to the point where he can take the pounding, if that's the guy that you're going to try to roll with more and more, you are going to have large stretches of possessions where he wears out physically, wears out mentally. And in a season where IU desperately needs every possession that they can get, because the margins are so razor thin even in the wins uh i don't know if putting him in there even though i think he does need it for long-term development and maybe that helps the program i i don't know that that results in any more wins this year and it's a big concern if i'm looking at the schedule moving forward 
you're already four and six. Can you afford to, you know, potentially lose a couple more games than you would otherwise because you're starting a guy who's essentially learning on the job? I don't have a good answer for that. I I, I see the I see the benefits of it, but there's some big drawbacks that people need to keep in mind that, that could pop up as a result. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to to think about because I use not really making the decision from a, a position of strength at that point. It's really a question of is this roll of the dice risky decision worth maybe turning things around this year but also what that development looks like for the future and do you give this was one of the points that jared made do you let lander and and armand play together as much as possible this year with the thought that that's your backcourt last year or next year and kind of prep yourself for that at the same time you're not in such a dire situation that the season is lost and you can just kind of move into you know i think analogies have been made to nfl quarterback where it's like well the season is lost i need to see what i have in the in, with the new guy and just roll the dice and do it that way you're not that far you know either way you're kind of stuck in the middle where it's not a completely clear decision i think the decision is made a little bit easier for from my perspective just based on what you've gotten from fantasy lately that that makes it potentially easier to to flip the switch uh to go that way but you know ryan with a, a couple days of uh, of time to kind of marinate on that it, what are what are your thoughts now maybe different than what you would have said uh tuesday night or has that really changed at all in your in your view i don't know that you turn the keys over to lander but you certainly have to get him playing time i mean you know more playing time and 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 i i don't think that 19 minutes is out of the question which is what he got against. It seemed like he was on the floor for a long time. It's only 19 minutes. That's, it's a decent run and that, that's good. Um, I didn't know Geronimo played as many as 13. I didn't know Leo played 12, you know, I mean, because it just didn't seem like those guys were impacting the game the way Lander was. And Lander also is bringing the ball up. It's pretty obvious when he's, when he's out there. Um, but I, I would say that this team's best option is for its older guards to step up and then for Lander to provide, to give them some minutes off the floor and, and maybe provide them with some breaks that they weren't getting earlier in the year. That's, that's your best scenario is for Rob Finney to play like he did in a stretch earlier this year where he played pretty darn well. And, and for Al Durham to, while he's never going to be a fantastic all court player, be able to knock down some threes for you. And maybe we've seen him have some clutch drives at times and then get to the free and get fouled and get to the free throw line and make his free throw shots. He's really the only guy that does that. Um, I mean, Armand Franklin has been much better lately when he's when he's been to the line, but you don't really have a knockdown free throw shooter. You get that without Durham. So I think the best option isn't just turning it over to Christian Lander. It, but you might have to do that if these guys continue to be so inconsistent. I, I would see if Archie is sure that he's going to be back next year, which, I mean, I again, I have no indication he's not going to be, and I certainly with the financial implications of this year, it probably feels like that. Maybe it is time to build with those young guys for next year. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying you do that yet, but I'm saying in a couple of games, if it's still going bad, what's the downside of starting to say like, all right, well, this season's kind of in the tank and we've got a really tough schedule. We need to give these guys more run because it's very important to their development next year that they get the floor. They didn't have a non-conference this year. They didn't have the chance to really spread their le- spread their wings early we got to get them some minutes that they missed otherwise. So again, that's a defeatist attitude to some people, but it's also a reasonable conclusion you can make if you're the head coach at that point. Well, I think something else to keep in mind is that Archie Miller 
predicates all of his lineup decisions on defense. He predicates everything on this idea. He that does. I, I need the best defenders out there, uh, you know, given their physical condition at a given time. And whatever you think of Christian Lander's offensive ability, and I certainly think he's shown flashes, as we've mentioned, he, he still is a liability on defense. He played better against Illinois, but what we've seen from him is more struggles than solutions. And even with Rob Finnessy having a very bad offensive game against Illinois, the worst of his career, um, you, you're still getting a bit more out of him on defense in the balance, not necessarily individual, but the fact that the pack line defense is so reliant on everybody being on the same page. And it's really, I think a larger issue with the people that have said Archie Miller needs to play the freshman more. I agree, but keep in mind the defensive struggles that IU had under Archie Miller, the first couple of years as guys were just trying to learn the system. Unfortunately, this, this defensive system is predicated on knowing this system inside and out and having it being second nature. It's hard to do that as a freshman particularly when you don't have a preseason or a non-conference season of any length. So it's and a short off season to, to, to Absolutely. work out and all of that stuff has worked against them. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's a, it, it's just such a challenging decision because I wouldn't view, I, and I certainly don't think he's going to turn around and start Lander against Iowa. I think that's out of the question. I think it's, it's a bit more of what Ryan said of, do you con- continue to ramp up his minutes do you continue to give him a little bit more rope and give Finnessy a little bit less uh, in terms of if, if Rob goes out early and isn't playing well, I think the the leash for him is a bit shorter and maybe you give Lander a little bit of leeway because he came in even to the Illinois game, played really poorly for the first about minute he was in the game, but settled in after that. But I also wouldn't view it if he did something like that and tried to expand his minutes. To me, that's not punting on the season. Uh, I think it's a, a calculated risk of is having watched what I've gotten from Al Durham over three and a half years and Rob Finnessy over two and a half years, am I confident enough in what I'm going to get from them versus the unknown of playing Lander more and the potential ceiling that that provides to the team? And that's um, ultimately the decision that he has to make. And you can determine that a bit by how they go out and play. And Lander's played better. And so I think he he gets a little more rope and gets a little more opportunity as you move forward and um, you know how much and where that maxes out in terms of minutes, I don't think we really know um, quite yet, but I think it would be foolish to not aim for giving him at least something in the neighborhood of the minutes that he got against Illinois. Um, as you move forward against Iowa, a team that can definitely hurt you uh, on the offensive end, but might allow Lander to get a little bit comfortable given the way that they play defense. Yeah, guys in your perfect world, are your three perimeter guys next year, Lander, Franklin, and Parker Stewart. In your perfect world, is that what you imagine, or do you imagine Trey Galloway or one of the other guys mixed in there? I mean, if you think about where basketball is going, I think having a guy like Stewart who can make shots, assuming he can do that uh, at IU the way that he's done uh, at other at other stops, and another year's worth of growth from Armand Franklin, I think that that feels like what your starting point would be. I mean, I'd like a senior year Rob Finnessy, who's got all of his confidence issues set to be, uh, you know, a key sure. element of that. I mean, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, the, uh, some folks in the chat have been talking about this. The, the problem with Finnessy is, is just this in, in tremendous amount of inconsistency. You look at what he's done over the last 10 games, and he's got three or two really good games, three games I think that were relatively average, and then some games where he was just kind of a no-show, particularly on offense. And I think it's hard to even project ahead with the perimeter guys, because 
that has been more the rule than the exception with IU players during the Archie Miller era, where this natural progression upward of I can count on this person game in and game out, and they're really bringing it every time just really hasn't happened. And, you know, you look at what Armand Franklin's doing this year. You're like, hey, that's a guy we can count on next year. Is it? I hope so. I yeah. would that it is, but can we can can you really say that given what we've seen over the course of the four years so far? What I'd say too is if you look at those games and you make a great point, Galen. Purdue, uh, the game against Purdue, Finisty had four points fouled out in twenty three minutes. Didn't really do much against Illinois. Didn't score fouled out in thirteen minutes against Rutgers. Seven points. Didn't really play well at all. In the win again, win at Iowa, eighteen points. Win at Nebraska, eighteen points. Uh, double overtime against Wisconsin, 10 points, knocked down a couple of threes and had six assists. I mean, and two turnovers. I mean, he plays well. Indiana plays much better. And, and it's just, it's, it's either such a line you can draw there. And when he plays well, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis can score 30 points and I, you can lose. But if Rob Finnessy plays well, Indiana generally at least is going down to the wire with somebody. And, it's just so disappointing to see it be so inconsistent. Yep. All right. Well, we're, uh, we'll wrap up that for our IU basketball tuck and, uh, coming up it's, uh, AMA time. So in other words, ask us anything, fielded a bunch of questions from our community, some hoops related, some not. And since Galen's here, you know, there'll be pizza talk. Stick with us. Alrighty, a very needy dog here tonight. So, <laughs> no problem. Dad, 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 dad. <laughs> <laughs> Are you done? Are you quite finished? Can, you, can I just please do the show? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> this isn't your show. I don't recognize those guys. What are you doing? Go, bo- go bother your brother. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna uh, fill up uh, my water bottle. Be right back. All right. All right, awesome. Well, welcome everybody, and uh, Galen, thanks again for for joining us. How are things in uh, in Bloomington? Non non basketball related things. How are uh, how are things? Not basketball. You know, uh, well, I mean, we're right in the middle of of big sports season here. There's so much going on. Uh, I just was getting some broadcasters scheduled to go broadcast water polo this weekend and wrestling, and we did volleyball last weekend, and women's basketball has been going. It's really a lot right yeah, now. Yeah, it's good. Sp- Spring soccer coming up now for a nice, nice change up, of pace. Swimming and diving. It's there's so much that's happening, and and it's a given how little happened in the fall semester. It's a welcome, <laughs> uh, you know, arrival of events, but it is just a lot in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, how much snow have you guys gotten this year, Galen? Not much. We got we only got about two or three inches, and a lot of it came down as sleet. Um, it looks like we're going to get a mild amount of snow over the weekend maybe but uh it's mostly been clear and not that cold of course that's changing this week yeah i always remember february being the worst month february is awful and my wife's birthday is right in the middle of it (laughs) and so it's i'm always like i hate february and i'm like except for your birthday it's great (laughs) that's wonderful Um, and yeah that it's like that valentine's day are just great darling They're back to back. I got the, oh, the fourth. What's her date? The 15th. Oh, the fifteenth. Yeah. So, well, the other day I said, "Oh yeah, Valentine's Day, uh, February sixteenth," and Madeline just stared daggers at me. I was like, 14th? I met fourteenth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
It's it's easier to book a place on the 16th. It uh, really yeah. is. So. I was wondering why every restaurant was wide open. Yeah, what I guess time. this would be. I guess this would be busier. <laughs> uh, who knew? Anyway. All right. Well, we'll try to hit. We got that took about half the time. We got about 25 minutes left, though. So I got to keep time. So we'll do. Uh, I guess we'll plan to do his uh, questions he's got highlighted in here. With the first one is which about the, the current team. So we'll hit that one. And then we'll kind of go to some the, some of the general IU stuff and basketball things. So we'll try to hit as many of these as we as we can and hit a few during the break after this. Yep. So right, now I got to figure out how to track this because see, I usually uh, just do the uh, show in segments and don't pay attention. So we'll uh, we'll start in twenty twenty seconds or so. I never really understood why Jared was like, "Oh, let's wait twenty seconds and start at this particular time." But now I uh, now I get it. So we'll uh, start here in ten seconds or so. Everyone just drink up, apparently, while we're, uh, while we're preparing for that. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is AJ Moyer. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content over at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Galen Clavio. Jared, in an attempt to get me to read stuff, wanted me to say I'm Joe Lenardi, but I will not do that. Uh, all right, so we're uh, heading into the AMA portion. We've got some basketball stuff to hit uh, off the top here, so we'll uh, we'll hit those and cover a decent amount of ground here. So this question comes from Phil. Did some research on our Big Ten record the past four years. I'm sorry for that, Phil. Uh, year one, nine and nine, sixth place. Year two, eight and twelve, eighth place. Year three, nine and eleven, tenth place. Year four, four and seven, currently ninth place. Uh, I think they're I think they're four and six now. I believe they are four but, and six. Uh, uh, at what point? He, Ominous, ominous tone for the uh, upcoming Iowa game, apparently. But so currently in ninth place. At what point does the AD come to grips with the program going in the wrong direction? As we look to the future, is there anything to give us hope for a brighter future? We have lost out on most of our targets. I believe we have one 2021 commit and one transfer. Uh, Galen, I'll throw that one to you. To you first. I mean, as you look at that track record over these first four years, uh, what do you think is a realistic time period to make a decision? Kind of factoring in both the COVID year, the buyouts, the, all of that stuff, like, is it really in any way likely that a decision would get made uh, this year unless things really, really spiral? Oh, man. I mean, probably not. And it's one of those deals where it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, I mean, everybody before this season, and this happened with football too, went in and said, well, it's a COVID year. It's going to be really unpredictable. You can't really take a whole lot that happens here seriously. And then at the end of the college football season, you know, like, 
you know, nine coaches got fired and it's, you know, guys on big buyouts got fired. So the big thing that I would imagine is going to have to factor in the decision is what's the temperature of the donor base and the people that actually matter as far as these decisions are made. With fans, we're talking on social media, we're talking on podcasts about it, and it doesn't really matter. It's all noise, essentially. Um, is, is there an argument to say, well, let's run this back again and, and see what happens? Sure, absolutely. And it's not just a financial argument. It's also a lineup argument. Uh, there's, you know, you've, you've had injury issues. You've had recruits not pan out. Does that mean that the whole thing needs to be junked and start over again? That's just as much of a risk as yeah. giving it another. Let's be real. Year. We're not yeah. exactly nailing coaching hires. <laughs> right. And, 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 and it's also, I think this touches on something that Ryan said, is this a malaise that is more generalized to IU basketball? Because let's be honest, this is IU basketball, and it has been for a quarter century now. This is not an unusual thing in IU basketball history. I, I, I often like to make the point that IU's greatest moments came in two or th- I guess you could say three bursts of about 15 to 25 years. And then there were these deserts that happened on either side of them. And, you know, that period with IU basketball from about 1960 until about 1971 was, was not a good time. Yeah, there was a Big Ten title in there, but there was a whole lot of losing that happened around that as well. There's nothing that says IU basketball is automatically going to be good. And, you know, I, I, it, a lot of it is infrastructure in terms of the money's there. It's being spent on recruiting. You obviously need, still need facility upgrades, and you don't make the same amount of money that a Michigan or an Ohio State makes to provide those upgrades. But you still have relatively decent facilities. And if, you were, if you're going to make a change, you have to think about all of those items, not just, well, this coach isn't working out, so we'll just go find another one. Because that's been tried and it hasn't really made much of a difference so far in IU's fortunes. Yeah, and one thing I would add, Galen, that I think that's you made great points. What I think is the issue for a lot of people is if you look at a place like Kansas and you look at Indiana, the fundamentals are similar. College town, kind of isolated, rich basketball tradition, classic field house, you know, like like you know, classic arena, all of those things. And you look at what Kansas does and you look at what Indiana does and you just like why do they get, they get it done and we don't? And now, of course, there's some issues with the NCAA. The and NCAA all that. probably has they, some idea of how be, they're getting it done, they, but <laughs> but for a long time they've been successful. And and it's you know you look at fundam at similar programs fundamental wise fundamentally, and other programs figure it out. And and so it's it's interesting. And I agree. There are the, the, you know you're not just ripping the coach out and plugging a new one in. When you pull a coach out, there's all these other threads that are stretched that need to be cut and and repasted and woven back together. It's not just simple as 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 pulling a sticker off a page and plugging it back in. Well, and so it is very very complicated to do this. And look, we you want know, to talk about Kansas as an analog? Let's talk about UCLA as an analog. But that's a fair one too. And I mean, like it's it, it's not a given that. Just because you're a blue blood who won a bunch of championships and had a lot of success, UCLA hasn't figured it out. I mean, the best answer they had was Jim Herrick, who got chased out of town. The second best answer was Ben Howland, who, I mean, did a He was boring, and so they chased him out of town. And look, I think the difference between the basketball programs that have been really successful over the last 25 years, Kansas, Kentucky, 
North Carolina, Duke. Duke. Duke's kind of in its own category. But if you look at Kentucky and North Carolina specifically, when they had problems with their like it was never a question that their basketball program was going to be successful. And when North Carolina had Matt Doherty, they they cut bait after two years. When Kansas, or excuse me, when Kentucky had Billy Gillespie, they cut bait after two years. Um, the difference, I think, is that you could make an argument that in the late 90s and early 2000s, the political upheaval that was happening behind the scenes with IU basketball and the IU administration took whatever trajectory might have been set up in the aftermath of Bob Knight being here and essentially threw it in the trash can. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, we fell so far behind, not just in facilities, not just in the overall mentality of the program, but frankly, just in this whole concept that we are Indiana basketball is the most important thing. And we will make sure that that is good across the board up and down. And I, you know, I don't think that it's a lack of, desire on the part of anybody working for IU now for the basketball program to be good, but you don't just pick that back up and start running with it again. Like you really yeah. have to build it back up almost from scratch. And I don't the know foundation that- has been, has been torn out a yeah. lot of it has, and you've got to rebuild that. And I think some people were hoping that Bob Knight coming back would be like this thing where, okay, now we can rebuild that. That I mean, that's fantasy land. Like you've got to do the actual work. It's not just a guy walking onto a court and suddenly everything's wonderful. And, and I would say that, I think the university also has to make a decision and, and basketball is so woven in with the university's identity and we have to decide as a university and as an athletic department, how important is it really? And I'm not well, saying you got to throw money at the problem. I'm just saying, do we need to focus on fixing this for the good of the university or is it just kind of its own thing? And, and I'm not saying that one way or, or the other is correct. I'm saying we need to decide as a, a group as, as Hoosiers well, that where, where we stand on that issue. The thing I'll say on that though, is I, I do think despite some of what we've heard from various corners about sure. the university stance on, on IU basketball, Everybody wants IU basketball to be successful. It's good everybody, for everybody. Everybody yeah. has put significant financial resources into making yes. it successful. It's not like they made Archie Miller come in on a two-year contract. They gave him a top 10 contract. Yeah. They've, you know, the Crean years saw IU have the, what was it, the highest recruiting budget of all of the public schools. It's, you can make some kind of argument about facilities, but there's some counter arguments could be made there. I don't think it's a, a matter of will on the part of the university. I think it's a series of decisions that have kind of spiraled down upon themselves that were made, at least in the post brand era, were mm. made with the best of intentions in mind. And many of them just haven't worked. And it's not just as simple as let's make a new decision and that'll fix the old decision because right. there's three or four bad decisions that happened before that, that also have to be figured out. And so yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're intentionally holding back. I, I don't mean that. I mean that maybe it's time for a fresh perspective of let's look at this a different way or something, right. you know, because and from from all levels, because, again, it's just if it is that important, if it's not, if it's just a fun thing for students to do on campus and it's again, I understand that and I have no problem with that if it's just a minor thing. That, but if it's truly part ingrained of Indiana's identity, it, it maybe it is time to just look at it a different way somehow. And I know there are people making efforts and I know everybody wants the team to be good. I, I don't think that, you know, there are, I deal with USC fans all the time who think that the administration's holding the football program back. It's like, what reason would they possibly donations go through the roof when athletic teams are good? They want that. 
you know, it's just they're making bad decisions, you know. And so with Indiana, I, I just think that, yeah, it might be the well, kind of thing where it's just unfortunately decisions made earnestly and in good faith have just turned out to be poor. There's bad, there's bad decisions, and then there's good decisions that have bad outcomes. And you know, right. like, the Archie Miller hire is a great example. On paper, it was a Perfect dynamite time. hire. He was yeah. the, the top coaching prospect that year. Everything that looked that you would look for in a coach at this level, that made sense. And it just didn't work out, or it hasn't worked out so far. It doesn't mean it might not eventually work out, but that's the kind of example that we're talking about where you can make the right decision and it may actually create problems as opposed to being the solution. All right, let's, let's move on to a, a more positive, happier, happier, a question about happier times. Uh, Michael. Okay. Putting the watch shot and key smarts game winner aside, what was the single most God? I'll always remember that moment in IU basketball history. His went to uh, the, the Pritch slap, if you will. Um, and uh, he talked about the best part of that being uh, Quinn speaking in tongues after the dunk. Uh, Galen, you have a, a treasure trove of, of IU basketball history and games and videos that are up. So this is probably a difficult question to answer, but give me a, a one or two that maybe stand out to you. The two that stand out are pretty, they come to mind very quickly. The first, I was, I think, nine or 10 years old. And it was the Jay Edwards shot against Michigan. Because uh, I, I mean, I remember being everybody in the li- cites that. As I remember remembering. being in the living room. It was just out of the blue because, you know, Michigan misses the shot and IU grabs a rebound and they don't know what to do. And they come down the floor and like everybody just looks lost. And then Edwards gets the ball and just tosses it up from a ridiculous distance and it goes in. And just the the level of shocked ecstasy that happens in everybody's living room across the state of Indiana when that takes place, I, I still remember the feeling and just that whole experience as, as a nine or 10 year old. The other one I was in the building for, it was my junior year and it was the Lynn Washington put back against Michigan state, uh, you know, and close to the end of the season, the team had struggled a little bit and Michigan state, I think was ranked in the top 10. They go to overtime. Guyton puts up a three. It, it airballs it. Washington grabs the ball on the opposite side, puts it in, and essentially the game ends. And I just remember Assembly Hall just had one of those – we no longer really get them to the same degree, but one of those just classic explosion moments in the building. I was up in the balcony. I had terrible seats for it, but uh, I can absolutely remember like every second of that play in the aftermath. Yeah, I had – that was a game. We actually had floor seats. We were behind that basket. Um, so we had a great view for it. We, we happened to luck out and get good. That was one of the games we had really good seats for. So that was, that was one that came to mind for me in large part, just because of being there. Um, Ryan, perhaps you'd like to tell us about the Marco Killingsworth dunk during this, uh, portion <laughs> well, of the that show. One, that one, I remember for the noise, you know, I mean, cause again, they lost that game and it was a great game, but that one I remember for just how loud it got. Um, some other ones though, uh, you know, and this is like a smaller moment, but I remember thinking like, God, he's good. It was when in the Big Ten tournament, Victor Oladipo got a breakaway and did a 360 dunk in that in that Big Ten tournament his last year. And it was just like, he's so, gosh, he's good. You know, it was just one of those moments where you realize there's a player and he's going to go pro and you're just like, uh The other one for me is the Yogi Ferrell step back three against uh, Iowa to win the Big Ten title. That would, for me as a fan, because again, in, in my fandom, we've won two Big Ten titles and... You know, I I will say another one I remember. I'll always remember the AJ Moye block against Duke. I was working as uh, a, a waiter at a restaurant at a sports bar in San Diego before. This is two years before I moved to to Indiana, or a year before I moved to Indiana, and 
I we I mean, everyone was mesmerized by that game because it was big bad Duke losing. And so I wasn't even really, I mean, I liked Indiana, but I wasn't an Indiana fan yet. And watching that game unfold and, and being there and being, you know, neglecting my tables completely just to watch the, you know, the parts of the game and, and getting yelled at by my boss. And then I went over and delivered somebody to a table and they were like, you don't have to, we know you're watching the game. It's fine. You know? And then when that happened, I went nuts cause I hated Duke. And so um, that I'll always remember as well. Yeah, that that was that was one that I had uh, I had thought of for sure. I thought of the Lynn Washington one that Galen mentioned. There was also a Guyton shot against Temple uh, in a home game uh, against IU. I'll remember that. I mean, partly for that, I ended up having to go do like it. It was a Saturday. I had to go give some kind of like presentation after that, and I was super hoarse by the time I got there from from yelling. And we happened to be seated across the aisle from the players' parents, and I remember Kirk Hastings' mom sitting in the the same row as us across the aisle and just watching her just kind of like live and die with every moment. And then it wasn't, I don't know how long it was after that, that she, um, you know, was killed in the the tornado. And, and it was like, I always, even when I hear Kirk Haston listening to him on the AJ Guyton podcast, talking about that stuff, like I remember seeing that and she just loved watching them play and was so into the game and, uh, you know, didn't talk to her, didn't anything else, but just like seeing her so, so into it was, was really cool and and a really good game as well. Galen, it looked like you had something else you were going to jump in with. This is not a moment that would matter for most people, but I, I where did you get all these great tickets, by the way, Andy? Like I was, <laughs> I was in the balcony like eighty percent of the time. The, one year we did show up, and the, one of the people I went knew somebody who was handing the tickets out, so that was helpful. But I think the Temple one was luck. I think the Michigan State game was was a result of that. The the one that didn't have anything to do with a, a game ending shot that I'll never forget. I was in the south end zone for the IU-Purdue game in 1998. And IU had lost, I think, two years in a row at home to Purdue. And this was the game, you know, it was tight for a little while and IU ended up winning, but there was a point early in the second half, Brad Miller goes to the free throw line and someone probably four seats away from me shines a laser pointer right in his eye as he's getting ready to shoot the free throw and he misses it and he goes nuts and he starts pointing at the the student section and like calls the officials over and officials like go get security and they go try to find the person and they never found the person and uh i just that i I always feel like i was a part of something bigger as a result of having been there for that uh another good one that just popped to my mind uh as it pertains to um to a, another player's face is watching uh, Mike Lewis whip the ball off Jacob Jakes's face when he was uh, pressuring him on an inbounds play. That was that was fantastic as well. Uh, the one last one I'll say is the the Michigan State when we were there for where Rob Finnessy guarded Cassius Winston on that final play, and then the students hit the floor. They, you know, I'd I'd never been in the building for a court storm, and this was for a uh, this was for a meetup. We we happened to be there, and so that was kind of kind of cool to see. You know, Rob play that defense on Cassius Winston. All right, one more quick one, then we'll take a break. Uh, hit a few of these during the break. Uh, this is from Jeff, who is the favorite in the panel's opinion to win the NCAA title, and if it is Gonzaga or Baylor, will they go undefeated? Uh, Ryan. I would not be surprised if Gonzaga goes undefeated and and, it, and it'll always have that. Yeah. Well, buy it because of the COVID thing. Who knows if it'll get through the NCAA tournament. They've had issues in the NCAA tournament before, but uh, I think Gonzaga is the best team in the country. I, I just, I've watched them a couple of times and I'm just like, how do you beat them? I, I don't know how you beat them. You have to, you have to stop. Like you have to legitimately shut down three guys yep. to beat them. And it's hard to shut down two of them you know, or one of them. Exactly. Yeah. Galen, what about you? I'm gonna I'm gonna not take Baylor or Gonzaga because that would be boring answers. Uh, the two other teams I'll throw in as potentials are Texas Tech and Alabama. 
I really like both of those teams. They, they do different things very well, and they're pretty balanced overall if you look at the numbers. I was, I was tempted at first to say, like, oh, Ohio State, big win tonight. Ohio State's defense is not up to par. Like, they're not going to be able, I think, right. to, to do what they need to do. Could they beat Gonzaga is the question, essentially, with Ohio State. Right. I don't think they can. But I do think Texas Tech could, and I do think Alabama could for different reasons. Love both those coaches, too, and, by the way. And, and and they they seem they both seem to have something really good going on. I I will say this I don't I was thinking about this last night. There are so many upsets in college basketball, largely because of COVID and pauses and things like that. That you that you we know nothing. We and we we won't know anything still in March. That we'll be in the tournament and think that we know things and we won't know anything. Yeah, because this year is weird. It's, it's just weird. Yeah. So it's uh, it's one of those things where I I will be shocked if anybody goes undefeated because. The chance, like you had with Villanova last night, where you are playing great and then you get skunked by twelve by a St. John's team that has no business playing with you, could happen to anybody, including Baylor or Gonzaga at this point. Yep. All right. I yeah. I think it'll be interesting if somebody does, and, and whether it, there's an asterisk by it. I mean, I would argue both these teams based on who they played, the schedules they've had. Like to me, it. it I, I wouldn't view it differently or or diminished even though i know iu fans would probably like to but i don't know that i i don't know that i necessarily would so uh, i'm saying people will though they'll come oh people absolutely will absolutely will all right all right well coming up in our third segment we'll hit some more questions we'll start with a little iu football and uh that is because as we just discussed we may be becoming a football school maybe we already are uh that and more next stick with us here on the assembly call We do people not. in the chat are loving the laser pointer story game. <laughs> it was such a it was such an event. And just I mean, <laughs> the only way it would have been better if it had been Brian Cardinal instead of Brad Miller. But Brad Miller was still a great choice there. <laughs> One of my favorite IU basketball memories was I when I was the columnist, I was sitting on the floor in the press seats back when they were in the bleachers, um, and I walked out and sat down. You know, I had my press credential on and everything, and. Some guy who's up on the the, the right side of me is the courts in front of me. He's on the right, and it's the the part where the uh, you know where the wall comes down a little bit and it's high or whatever. And he goes, "Hey, hey, are you that Phillips kid?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, man, I am." He's like, "F you!" <laughs> and I just started laughing and I, I yelled back, I'm "Like, fair enough." Like, it's, <laughs> That's, and that still happens every day to you yeah. now. You know? Yeah, it does. That was, really just good, that was really just good practice for you. I think that's good. I just have that effect on people. It's it's fine. I mean, Galen, back then, like, and this was height of the Mike Davis, you know, era. My year was the year he he resigned. Yeah. And so, and my my columns were basically what I had said is they had said, Greenspan had said, he's going to get the season and then we'll evaluate afterwards. And everyone wanted him fired midseason. You know, all these people just like, I wanted to find those when they had the blackout where people yep. were black. To the, and it was just like, you guys don't see the problematic issue there. Yeah. Like, and um, so I, and I was writing like, the guy should get the rest of the season. That's what they said. And these guys, also his players, I mean, regardless of how bad they were, his players wanted to play for him. Like they, right. they, they oh, loved true. him. Yeah. And, um, you know, what do you do? You fire him, then Donnie Marsh or Kerry Rupp takes over and runs the same offense. And, he, you know, no, like what, what's, what's going to get better? That only happened when he skipped the Iowa game. Yes, he skipped uh, but, the Iowa game. 
By the way, I was sick that day. Yeah. I was I I had I had 103 fever and my beat the beat writers are like Davis isn't here and I'm like I'm coming. Like yeah. I left my house through on a college. I, I was actually I had a press credential that day. I was helping my buddy Sean who was a, a sports reporter in Louisville and I remember being in the press room and they came running through with 5 minutes to go with that like press release. It's like Mike Davis won't be coaching today and we each looked at each other like what what's going on here no he and and it was really funny so i was there and um uh, yeah so like i was there during that era and it was people don't realize it was volatile like now it feels like there's a malaise over the program and but it was a volatile time i would get 500 emails a week for my column and it's like i'm writing for a college newspaper like and it was I, power, I remember the power of pigs right there. I, I know, I know. <laughs> and one of the guys was uh, somebody like dictated a letter to his assistant. He was at a law firm in Los Angeles, dictated a letter to his assistant and then like sent it by mail to the IDS. I was getting people from like Japan writing me. It was insane. It was just an insane time. And, and me being like, I, you know, not being in the professional world yet, being like, this is what it's always going to be like. And, you know, it's now I go months without hearing from anybody. I guess I hear on Twitter every day, but like, you know, it's just a I, different world. Man. I, I tell my, it's still, it's, it's not as nearly like it was then or when I was in school right. seven years earlier, but it, you still get a lot of attention and a lot of feedback uh, on the columns and things that people write. And I, I tell them, I was like, you're probably not going to experience this again, maybe ever in your career. And it, you yeah. Know, it might be, yeah, it's, it's, just, I'll tell you what though, it gives you, it gives you a great, skin as a writer though like it doesn't just give you a thick skin but like you you're getting immediate feedback to what you're writing and it tells you hey you got to be willing to take this if you're going to do this job like i was a little bit older i was i was 24 when i started at the ids and graduated at 25 and i will say that i would get these things from people that were legitimately insulting me but hilarious and i would share them with everybody and they'd be like damn man are you okay and i'm like are you kidding me this guy's this guy should be a comedian like like i loved i thought it was hilarious but everyone else would get them and be really sad and i was just like no you can't let that get to you like you just can't yeah so all right let's let's hit a few of these questions uh in in the break we don't have much time for the actual radio show left so i'll uh, i'll let you know that when we get to that point but okay uh let's see so this is from valerie I miss the pet band. Not a question I know, but an honest admission. I sincerely think IU has one of the best pet bands in the nation. My nephew took a UofL friend to an IU game. He was flabbergasted. They still had a pet band. I really don't like the recorded music of the games. I know I'm not hit by any means, but I love live music. That comes from a former music librarian. Do you foresee doing away with the band in the future? Um, I mean, I would think not. It has been a big part of the... they just built them a new building. I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. you know, Marching Hundred Hall exists now, and it's right across the street. So, no, I think the Pep yeah. Band's there for a long. Time. Yeah, USC good. is yeah, a really is. famous band too, and they keep they keep adding to it and doing more. I think I think it's a point of pride for the university, and always has been. Yeah, it's kind of. Like I always the, liked it's it's like the cheerleading program, which is a competitive cheer program as opposed to you know the kind of the palm squads that you'll get at other right. schools, and they're very serious about that, and they you know it just feels it's part of the DNA of the school. Yeah, and I always loved like the marching dozen that would get re- relegated to soccer games. Oh, they, they love they, it, and they were always great. It's awesome. They were the awesome. crab band, the crab band. Yeah. So <clears throat> I always and I love hearing it, even in like when I'm watching the soccer games on on TV or online when they have yes. it, like being able to hear it. It's it's super cool. 
Uh, all right, Matt, why aren't the coaches wearing coats and ties this year? I'm used to them not dressing up for a few games each year, but all of them wearing golf shirts now. Sometimes less if you're Mike Bray wearing shorts uh, at, at least a few times. Is this a permanent change? I, do you guys think that that sticks? No, no I think guys will dress up uh, when it comes back to normal. Ah, see, I, don't I don't know. I, I don't I know if they will. I feel like we're getting a little we're getting a little cash in general with coaching. Um, it's it's like the transition in in football managers. Could be, yeah. You might be right. You've gone from the 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 three piece suit approach on you know on the touchline to the tracksuit manager, and yeah. I think Bob Huggins is the guy we really need to thank, and Bob Knight. <laughs> like both of them just kind of said, you know, screw the sh- the shirt and tie look. I'm going to be comfortable, and uh, you know, I mean, everybody wants to be comfortable, so why not go that direction? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I do. I do. I, I've changed my opinion on this. I think you're right. I think because I, I guess I'm not realizing how often I'm seeing it. One, one of the funniest things ever was being at the Maui Invitational, seeing Mike Bray trying to rock a Hawaiian shirt, and it just didn't work. He had like shorts and and, and tennis shoes with high sock, with like higher socks, and, and and a Hawaiian shirt. And I'm like, Mike, it's not working, buddy. It's just not. Yeah. You got you got to alter it. I'm going to face similar issues uh, when, when I go back to the office. Like, am I going to be able to wear sweatpants four days a week? I'm not sure. It's tough I to wear say. a hoodie every day. Every day. We're, yeah. we're on the same wavelength, Ryan. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would, I think some coaches will do it, but to me, it has, I, I, I mean, I'd rather people be, I'd rather be comfortable. So I have no issue if other people want to, want to make the same decision. Uh, from Chris, did the NCAA conferences, et cetera, drop the ball on the way college basketball has been presented on TV with no fans? Galen, I was curious to get your your perspective on this from both a you know broadcasting piece of it is one thing, but just from the overall like production of it. What what are your thoughts been? Have you seen people who you really felt like have done it well, whether that be like camera angle they used or different ways they've been able to present it, or uh, how do you view all that? It's tough. Uh, you know, I think people don't understand the production constraints that exist right now with these games. Um, you've got half the people in the control room a lot of the time, um, or sometimes you're just remote broadcasting everything back to Chicago or New York or wherever you're at. And it's not a great product. It's certainly not as good of a product as we're used to seeing, but without fans and without the number of personnel that you would normally be able to have working on the productions, I just, I think they're doing the best they can. Um, and I think that, you know, the big complaint I've had and I've heard from others is, you know, the broadcasters are talking about other things. A lot of that happened during that Illinois game where, you know, they, they got a guy on talking about NBA prospects for, you know, it's like six minutes in the first half. But I also Bruce Hornsby in the middle yeah, of a game, just for I no don't, reason whatsoever. But I, I don't but think I that can be categorized the same as what is the as, as well, the NBA draft process discussion. Yeah, the Maui the Maui thing was that was a different bird uh, altogether. But yes. I, I will also say, uh, as someone who's done this before a couple of times, it is very disconcerting to sit in a studio trying to broadcast a game off a monitor with a delay and try to bring any anywhere close to the same level of connection and energy or, or whatever. And so. I have a lot of sympathy for both the production crews and the broadcasters that are trying to make this work. It was never going to be perfect. And the fact that it's even as close as it is to what we're used to, I think they actually deserve some credit for. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that, that the only thing that I've seen that offended me this year, other than the whole Walton Bruce Hornsby thing, which 
in it in and of it, like looking back was hilarious and at the time was oppressive. Um, the only one thing that I saw that really turned me off was the camera angle in the Duke Louisville game. I was like, this is unwatchable. It was like this really high. It looked like they had the camera like welded onto the ceiling and you were just looking down. It was, it was really bad. That's the only thing I've seen. Other than that, these guys are doing as best they can. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough, tough situation. I am disappointed that they didn't take the opportunity to stick the cameras back in the old assembly hall broadcast position from, from the eighties and nineties, the, the, you know, like the row 15, shot that is like really low and really zoomed out because you have to get everything yeah uh, that that's yeah. that was they, i'm not saying they need to go to it permanently they never will but it would have been nice to have at least one game where someone tried that out again maybe a game where they th- play where they wear like both teams wear throwback uniforms or something and then go to that that would be yeah. awesome yeah it's 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 funny because you're also a little bit everybody has set up their court differently the way they've like put you know, kind of what they've done with the ends, what they've done with, with the bench areas and different things like that. So I think it becomes harder even then from like a camera angle perspective is what do you want to keep in the shot versus not? And and you've got some of the stuff where there's actual things to see and not. And so, yeah, I, I don't know in, in a situation where you have no precedent to fall back on. I'm not really sure how you, you know, each game could and would be so different based on how different people have, have things configured and all that stuff. Uh, all right, let's hit one more of these, and then we'll do the uh, do the end of the show. I do need to fit this pizza one in because we did talk about doing that on the show, but I'll, we'll uh, we'll slide that one in at the beginning. Uh, Tyler, what hobbies that aren't IU or that aren't basketball or IU related uh, do you do with your free time, or if you had free time? Um, Ryan, isn't that the pizza question essentially for Galen? It's <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, it is it's all, more than just it, that. It, it all <laughs> um, you know what? I'm a big history buff. I read a lot of uh, nonfiction historical nonfiction my dad and i will read the similar books and uh and compare and contrast and and talk about what we think i I watch a lot of documentaries about history when i travel i always try and travel to somewhere where i'm going to learn something um i really enjoy doing that that's why i'm i'm so fond of italy because you can't throw a rock without hitting something that will teach you about something and don't throw rocks when you're in Italy. That's or really crazy. anywhere for that matter. Yeah. But. Um, and I'm also, I'm really tight with my, with my parents, my girlfriend and I go over to see them a couple times a week and uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm super into, into sports. I mean, that's, that's one thing I've always been into as well. I try and keep up on it. It's my job, but you know, it's, it's uh it's a love. It's not just something that uh, I didn't get into this business because of, you know, I thought I was going to become crazy famous or rich. I got into it because I love sports and and want to watch. Them. So and you want more I, people to, and you want more people to hate you. So ultimately, I mean, well, that's true. That's more fun. That's kind of a hobby too. <laughs> yeah, getting people angry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, all that. Yeah, uh, none of that is happening during COVID, by the way. So we gotta, you know, let's get out yeah, of this true. so I can enjoy my hobbies again. Gillen, I feel like this could be like an entire show for you based on based on my prior uh, conversations, interactions with you. But uh, give it give us a few at least. I like to stay busy. Actually, a lot of what Ryan said, I I also do, including the trips to Italy uh, because of the history and and culture and my familial connections. But I podcast a lot, as you all may know. Um, I, I try to turn some of my hobbies into podcasts. So I listen to a lot of music. I'm a big music guy. And I have a music podcast called Cosmic America. You should check it out. I got to check that out. Uh, it's fun. It's a good time. Alex McCarthy, former former uh, IU reporter, uh, does that with me on a regular basis. Um, 
who are you, you know, guys I mean, I, who are you guys working through now on that i know you so you kind of we, like going through different artists catalogs and different things like that who are you who are you guys finished, talking about now we just finished arcade fire and we just started the black crows and so uh, Ooh, that's a good one okay. i knew i'd seen the tweets about a couple of those but i didn't know which one you were actually on so we got a little delayed because i didn't have internet for a week which is kind of like a goldfish not having water. How um, did you survive? I it, I hot spotted off my phone uh, for a <laughs> while, which that's 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 no way to live. Um, yeah. <laughs> I keep overly busy because I I hate being bored. So I cook a lot. I spend a lot of time with my girls. Uh, I used to play a lot of music. I don't play nearly as much music as I used to. And then mo- the rest of the time now, I'm I'm working with students after hours. I help students with projects and try to get them involved in things. And so. I've actually had to cut back on some hobbies because work intervenes, but it's fun work. So I don't mind it that much. Yeah. Uh, I would say for me, well, it said non-basketball related, but I'll, I'll still say that. I mean, right now um, with, with Mallory, we're about, I think about halfway through their season. So uh, we've got practice a couple nights, the skills and drills one night and usually game Saturday and Sunday. So that's five days a week. I've got something to do with that uh, at this point and I love going to watch them play soccer, which is, starting to going to start to ramp up here pretty quick. Um, that's what my older daughter, she, that's what she, she loves. So always fun to uh, see her looking forward to being back out doing that. So that feels like it takes up a ton of time, um, which is, uh, and I gotta say Andy's, Andy's two girls are two of the most well-behaved kids I've ever met in my entire life. We went to dinner with them when they were in San Diego and I was just like, uh, my girlfriend and I are just looking at each other like, how are they that's what we do the rest of the time. We spend it disciplining the children and training yes, them for say, social it, for social interaction. They were, they were delightful at my tailgate. I mean, really? Yeah. They, they, yeah. No, they could good, not uh, be cooler, like sweeter kids. It's, I tell my uh, girls, like, that's that's your role models right there. Yeah, so, uh, I appreciate that. That's all that's all Jen. That's not me. Um but uh, I, you know I believe that. I yeah, you should, as as you should, as you should. Um so doing that, I'd say if in the on the kind of like if you had more time to do something, um probably like probably reading or even music. I, I'm probably not as into music as I, as I once was, or uh, maybe that's just getting older and feeling like I'm less up on, uh, on what's, what's popular now and different things like that. But I think those are things that I've always really liked, but just um, tend to get weeded out of, of different things when helping with homework and, uh, and sports and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, so I, uh, I will say I'm not good at watching TVs and or TV shows and movies. Uh, I kind of gave all that up about a decade ago. And so I am really bad at following through with watching shows and, and watching movies and things like that. So I, I, I have a big thing for um, that. I didn't mention is I, I love the process of making movies, like finding out about the process of making movies, how they do things and things like that. So I do watch every year. I watch all the Oscar nominees cause I want to know and, and then I wa- I try and watch all the latest shows. And the thing is, I work from home all day with a TV directly in front of me, so it's a lot easier for me to do that than I think a lot of people. It, it is. Yeah, I would fall more in Galen's camp of that. There's probably virtually any recent non children's movie that anyone would that too. anyone would talk it's about. So I probably have no would. idea about it at all. And yeah, even like it, shows. Should we, should we sing the whole Frozen soundtrack? I don't, <laughs> I don't think anybody. I, okay. I no, four, I've I, looked through I, all I the questions in the AMA and no one that was not like in there. Would you like to build a program? So. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I have two nieces and two nephews that I see a couple times a year. I mean, we we travel out there to see them. Even I can do the entire Frozen soundtrack. So I don't know. You guys are like on AP Frozen soundtrack hmm. levels, but 
All right. Well, we're going to... So we only have a little bit over like three minutes for this. So I'm going to throw the first pizza question and there's an IU football question. I think we'll try to squeeze those in. So so be brief. If we need to get into them more in the, the rest of it, we can. But uh, I'll start that here in a minute. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, welcome back to The Assembly Call. Uh, I'm Andy Bottoms, not Stephen Bardo, as Jared put in this run sheet, which is insulting. Uh, I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Galen Clavio, and remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU news roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Again, that's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, we're uh, hitting a few more of these AMA questions. I realized I forgot to get the pizza one in. So uh, so Kurt sent one saying good pizza debate would be uh, would be exciting. So uh, he said Chicago deep dish, New York style, thin crust, tavern, Detroit style, etc. What is the best slice? So I throw this to Galen, our resident pizza aficionado to... Uh, to uh, give his opinion on this uh, this hard hitting topic, this is like when people ask, like, what's the best band ever? It's yeah. like, there's so many great <laughs> bands. It's like, why limit yourself? Why why choose All. team? Like, because <laughs> uh, I mean, if I'm going for a single slice, I will inevitably go towards New York style thin crust pizza. Go to Joe's or, or or any of the the places that that serve those hot i don't really like the the rewarmed up stuff that you'll get in some of the bodegas but the stuff where they're actually putting it in the pizza oven and that's all that they've got there top-notch stuff i grew up in indiana i have a a a permanent soft spot in my heart for the thin crust style of pizza that arnie's and pizza king have put out on a regular basis And, and people will put turn the nose up at it some and then you take them to it and they're like wow that's actually awesome uh, I'll also throw a positive note for Chicago thin crust pizza, which I think is mm-hmm. eminently superior to Chicago deep dish. Uh, it's got a tremendous flavor that is different than the New York versions, but still tremendously good. So those would be some variation of my top three choices. I, I will second you on Pizza King. We uh, they, we I've always been I always do that when we go to. I have family in Richmond, Indiana. We always go there every time we go. That's that's what we get, and uh, I'm, I'm, I will I will ride for Pizza King Pizza anytime. We'll uh, get you covered on that next time, Ryan. I'll all right, so it. yeah, so football football question here. We only got about a, a minute or so left uh, from Jim Tom Hoosier because of his injury issues the last two years. I'm beginning to worry that Penix is a bit fragile. Do you agree, or do you think it's the way he plays? If so, is there a change that should be made to keep him on the field? Uh, Galen, I'll throw this one to you as well, given uh, all the football talk that you and uh, Scott do on Crimson Cast. I love Michael Penix. He's he's probably my second favorite IU quarterback ever at this stage behind Antoine. I don't think that you can be taken seriously and not say he's got some problems staying on the field injury-wise. And it's tough now because now he's torn the same 
ligament twice. That's really, really difficult to work around. So I don't know if there's anything new that can be done. Some people are just a bit more fragile than others. Uh, I think if the offensive line gets better and if they're careful about how they use him, I think he can make it through a season. But the jury's still out if that's actually possible. I hope it is because if, if he's under center, I, I think they could get to 9, 10, maybe even 11 wins next year. Yeah, sky's the limit for them, really. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think they tried to change some of that last year. I mean, he didn't scramble much at all leading up to the leading up to the injury. Really, I mean, there were times it seemed like he could take off and uh, and didn't. So I think they tried to rein him in as much as they could. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. And if you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call Radio recordings. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And special thanks to Ted Valentine for nothing. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Sunday after IU Iowa. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. We can hit some more of these. Uh, questions here real quick. Uh, I will, see. I will say, Go I, do ahead. Like, yeah, I know I we do had like to. Detroit style. It's, it's a good quality. I've never had Detroit, Detroit style either. It's square, right? It really, yeah, it's square. It's got the melted cheese on the side. It's got mm-hmm. the, the curled up pepperoni. It's, um, it's different. It's, it's, I, I find the Chicago deep dish just too much and I love yeah. bread, but it's just, <laughs> it's too much, but yeah, this is, a I nice, think it's, that's the kind of thing where you do it once a year once every year or a couple of years. Cause you have two pieces of that. You're done for the day. You yeah. know, it's so appealing. Um, Galen, what are your thoughts on, on Roman pizza? Like the, the Italian mm-hmm. pizza where it's, it's almost like not, cause you talk about it. What's a good slice of pizza. You, that's a whole pizza is yours. Cause it's mm-hmm. so thin. Like it's yeah. when people ask me what it's like, it's almost like the crust on the bottom is almost like Saran wrap. Like yeah. it's that thin and it's more about what's on top. Than, yeah, the, than the actual crust. I mean, go if you go to Naples and yeah. you you get pizza in one of those alleyways, that's that's the original. To me, pizza, people like it's not like an ancient Roman dish or something no. like that. It's it was invented in the late 1800s. And uh, you know, tomatoes aren't even native to Italy, they're native to Mexico. Yeah, uh, you know, they they were brought over in the 1600s. So it, it to me, it's still a growing and evolving dish. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's uniquely Italian or anything. You know, I definitely wouldn't yeah. say that. Yeah, and the problem, and and Kathy mentioned this in chat. The problem with pizza in Italy is that you think, oh, I'm I'm going to Italy. I need to have pizza. That's not really how it works because the that's a tourist trap food in most mm-hmm. places. <laughs> yes. So you, you just have to be careful about where you're getting it from. There's one great place in Florence. There's like nine great places in in Naples, and then the rest of the time you just kind of got to be careful. Yeah, and every town has their place where the actual natives will tell you where to go because yeah. there'll be four places in every town that are you know packed, and you be okay, which one's good? And they'll tell you. There's uh, we we go to Spello in Italy all the time, which is a small little town. My parents have met uh, a family there, and they're really close friends with them, and that's where they stay for months at a time, and we go visit them. And there's a place there called Orlando Furioso. It's some of the best pizza I've ever had in my entire life. It just so happens it's lucky that it's there, you know, because right. there's other pizza places in the town that just they're not as good, you know, and it's you'd have the pizza and you'd be like, eh, take it or leave it. You know, the one emerging pizza category in Bloomington that I'm really I've been excited about is all of the places that are serving Neapolitan style single serve pizzas. Nice. Um, so Osteria Rago, which is the place that Nick's owns, it's in the alleyway. Really I still have to pizza. go there. 
Yeah. Da Vinci, which just opened, which is on Washington and third, really good. Um, you know, there's a couple of others that fall into that category. Those, you know, so there, there's, it's cool. Cause we've got all these different options now in Bloomington, as far as the pizza is concerned. And the food in Bloomington, man, for a college town is as good as anywhere in the country. It yeah. is diverse. There's tons of options for everything, man. That I, I do miss that about, uh, you know, I mean, I live in La Jolla in San Diego. There's great food here, but I, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't come at college town prices though. That's the sad part, but I just loved being able to every night have some different kind of food and get a really good meal everywhere I went. So I do, I do miss that aspect. All right. That, that, that's a good segue to this other question from Kurt. What food does Ryan miss from Indiana? You know what, you know, the place I miss the most and it's, it's it's not about the necessarily about the food. I think the food's good, but I miss Nick's. I miss just walking into Nick's and taking a seat at a booth and chilling there for a while, having a burger, having whatever. And it's I just I miss the ambiance of that place. I spent a lot of time after I graduated there. I I'm the kind of person who I work from home mostly and I have to get out during the day. I can't stare at the same four walls all day. And so I would go to Nick's and sit there for a couple hours and write because they had Wi-Fi. And I I miss that place so much. Um, I also enjoy Uptown Cafe. I like their meatloaf. I, I think that's a that's a classic Bloomington dish. Um, but there's there's tons of places I miss. I, I Cafe Pizzeria is great, and, and you know that's a it serves place beer that I, now. It does. Yeah, oh, that's a serve, game they, changer. They have bottles now. It's <laughs> uh, it's a game changer. All right. So the the related question here, Galen tweets tweets about food. What a, do you have a favorite dish or meal? I don't know. That this is from a like Bloomington restaurant or something that you make. You can take that in whatever way that you. Want. Oh, Zagreb, of course I miss, but that's a once. In Wait, a what was the question? I'm sorry. What, what question, was question was for you was what is your favorite dish or meal? Now it doesn't necessarily specify like wow. favorite dish or meal from a restaurant or gotcha. something you make or whatever. So do do with I- that what you will. My absolute favorite is is our homemade um, carbonara, which um, we it essentially it's if you go to Rome, you should get the carbonara in Rome because that's really that's its origin, and it's essentially um, pasta, egg, uh, pancetta, or guanciale, depending on where you're at in Italy, and um, it's and cheese, and and just kind of mixed together. It's a very simple dish. It's very straightforward. If it's made properly, um, it's one of the most tremendous things that you'll ever eat. Uh, if it's made poorly, you're going to be like, why did I? Because at that point, it almost becomes like Alfredo, uh, which is not good. Uh, but that's that's my favorite thing to make. Uh, it's you know a pound of pasta and three egg yolks. And um, you can use bacon or pancetta, chopped up, fried up. You combine everything together, you get a nice little uh, emulsion going with some pasta water. And then after you get all that mixed together, you're trying not to scald the eggs. Then you're dumping some cheese on top of it and some pepper and you're ready to go. And it's to me, that's my absolute favorite thing to eat. And I have to avoid eating it more than like twice a month because otherwise I would be 400 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Another another food related question. Then we'll get into this Bill Simmons one. Favorite meats for grilling or smoking? That's a good question. So I think the best meat for smoking as far as output is brisket because you get it's it's got the great presentation aspect to it and it almost always tastes good. It's you know, you can certainly screw a brisket up if you do it wrong, but it's also a little bit more user friendly than some of the other meats can be, particularly ribs. Ribs you can go the wrong way on that very yeah. quickly. Um, 
so yeah, certainly brisket would be my my favorite one to smoke. Um, you know, and and I I think that the big thing that I've learned in smoking meats over the course of time is just you know not being afraid of the you have to really like the process of doing it. And brisket is like a, a ritual, you know, because it's going to take twelve to fifteen, maybe even longer hours from start to finish. And so you really have to be like committed to the bit all the way through. And there's a payoff at the end of it that you don't necessarily get, I think, with the other meats. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer. There we go. All right. All right, Ryan. So you said you want to talk this Bill Simmons question. This is from Patrick. Ryan, can you say something positive about Bill Simmons? I personally have a love-hate relationship as a listener. He is. That was Patrick su- saying that, not me. He is wildly <laughs> successful. That's what I'll say about Bill Simmons. No, I. you know what? Um, I'll be honest without Bill Simmons doing what he did in the early two thousands, I probably don't have a job. It's, he created a whole other. Well, now we know who to blame. Now we know who to blame for that. There you go. Good. But he, he created a whole other category of writer, I think in sports where it was an opinion guy who wasn't at a newspaper having a August, column that needed to cover issues it was more just like i'm a guy and i have opinions about sports and i'm gonna put it out on the internet and you're gonna read it and you know i mean i might be working in journalism but i wouldn't have the job i have if not for bill simmons carving that out now i don't like bill simmons's content as much as i i used to i i liked it in college uh and i think that he's kind of gotten very he's very into himself and he, and he, and he, he doesn't have the, the bite to his, to his work anymore. I, I don't think as much. And, and, um, I don't, but I don't know. I, I, the guy, you can't, you can't look at a guy that successful who has come from just being a guy who wrote columns, you know, on a website called Boston sports guy, got hired by ESPN, created an entire, section of their site and then created a whole new business and then sold it for a ton of money. You can't look at that guy and I'd be like, well, that guy worked really hard and did something kind of remarkable. Um, I'm not a huge consumer of his content anymore. I certainly loved his old columns on page two on ESPN. Um, but yeah, I Galen would also be an interesting guy to ask about this because of your sports media sort of expertise here. Um, what, what do you think about Bill? Thanks. Um, I appreciate the question, Ryan. Um, much like you said, your job as a writer doesn't exist without what Simmons did on uh, page two in the early 2000s. I don't think we're on this podcast if he it's doesn't tr- blaze the trail for podcasts in sports being something that people really wanted, which was happening in 08, 09, you know, yep. that period of time. And certainly there have been others, but the market command that he had and, and, you know, the, 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 his willingness to do different sorts of things in podcasts, I think really helped to open a lot of doors for people that wanted to use that as a, a, an art form essentially, or a, or a craft form. And so, um, similar to, I mean, I used to listen to, to Simmons podcast regularly. I still listen to a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen Same. I listen to the NFL picks one. I don't listen to the NBA stuff as much just because I don't find podcasts on the NBA to be that terribly interesting. Um, you know, and I actually really like the rewatchables podcasts that they That's do. That's great. The movie yeah. ones. Like, and, and that has very little to do with sports, but I think Simmons 
for all of the flaws that he has, he's also he's he's created a lot of opportunities for people to do different things in this space because we really didn't have many people to look up to or to point at and say, wow, here's somebody that's very popular that's doing different things uh, prior to Simmons emerging onto the scene and absolutely stayed there for a long time. So yeah, I I have mixed feelings, but mostly positive. Yeah. And the other, the other thing about him, I would say is before him, people didn't have podcasts on multiple subjects. You had your podcast and he's doing, well, there's an NBA thing. There's an NFL thing. There's a TV thing. There's this, there's that, the, the, you know, and, and that is an innovation. It is. I mean, before that, it was like a podcast was like a radio show. You just had your show, you know, and he wasn't, you know, the guy who blazed the trail on having a podcast, but he blazed the trail on certain people having certain types of people having a podcast and then on diversifying your portfolio as a podcaster. And it has been really interesting. And again, I, you know, like this year, I know there's a lot of negativity around Simmons and I, I get it. Um, this year, the big lead named him our sports person, sort of sports media person of the year because of everything that's gone on. And, and we talked about it's kind of like Times person of the year where there's positive and negative with this person. You know, um, it's more about who's the most newsworthy. And there was a lot of negative feedback for us picking him. Yeah. And you realize it's, you know, there is a lot of negativity out uh, uh, about him out there. But at the same time, you look at everything he's created and everything he's done and bl- again, blazing a trail for other people. It's very impressive, regardless of my personal feelings towards him or, or anything like that. It's, it's impressive. You stick around for long enough. A lot of people yeah. are going to end up hating you. And sometimes it's justified and sometimes it's not. And, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, that's just how it goes in this business. Does. All right. I can't so wait we- for the, I can't, I can't wait for the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, everybody turns on Crimson Cast moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, sure to happen in the next week or you guys, so. You guys are getting close. It's been... <laughs> uh, can't happen now with IU football hitting its stride. You guys, don't, I know. You guys don't time. deserve. You guys don't deserve people to turn on you. We've waited for all these years. Don't you people turn on them now? All right. Uh, so last last question. Uh, this is from Sally. Galen is a teacher slash professor at IU. Correct. What does he teach? Galen, oh wow! Tell, God, tell well, the so, people, tell the people so, what, you, what what exactly would you say you do? What, here? Yeah, what do you, yeah, what did you say you do around <laughs> here? Um, so the primary classes that I teach are: I teach a sports casting class, I teach a class called sports media literacy, where I try to teach people about the sports industry, sports media industry, and how it interfaces with the sports industry. Um, you know, and and essentially. What not just what careers are out there, but how everything works financially. Um, and then I also teach a social media and sports class. I normally do that in the summer. And then this winter, I'm I actually I'm teaching a class called Social Media and Democracy, which uh, was essentially a six week course that looked at how social media affects the democratic process. And wow, did I have a lot to talk about uh, in real wow. time during that <laughs> yeah. uh, class. So. Those are mo- those are the types of things. What, that what did you know and when, Galen? Is the real question <laughs> I think that needs to be asked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, it was funny because I I set that class in motion in like October, and I was like, oh, you know, the election will be over. We won't have a whole lot to talk about. And then I'm like, I had to dump a lecture entirely because I had to do a whole thing on the Capitol storming one day, and uh, it was just it was it was very fascinating, kind of trying to capture what was going on in real time and then put it into a classroom setting, but. Um, 
I do a lot of work outside the classroom with students on projects and independent studies and things like that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just try to kind of be there for the students in the sports media program and, and now the media school more generally, since I, I kind of have a larger role with that. So it's fun. It's a good, it's a good career path, a good second career, I guess. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, uh, I always, and I've told you this before too. I was like, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was in school at the wrong time, I guess, for what I, I really, you know, liked. And I don't know what my, uh, what my career might be different. Like had some of those opportunities and all the stuff that, that you guys have and students have at their disposal. Now it's just, it's phenomenal. And, uh, I wish, I mean, I wish I was, you know, in school we, now and get, we've talked about this. Yeah. I, if I, <laughs> if I had a dollar for every person I went to school with and every alum from, you know, the 1990s until the present being like, I, I have people that I went, that I taught five years ago who are like i wish i was still in school and i'm like i know i'm sorry well, my retirement plan is to come work for you galen make, let's make it happen let's make it i'm still yeah. i'm are you re, if you're retiring tomorrow it might be difficult <laughs> but you know beyond that i think we might work something out i got some time i think yeah that would be uh yeah there would be it, it's funny you're saying that about people like i wish i was you know still in school about that like if that was the case and you're still back in college it was funny we were sitting we watched some like presentation tonight my daughter will be in in high school next year and uh, it was just like kind of a preliminary thing about like classes and they were going through like, oh, here's the here's the science classes that you'll be taking. And I was just I looked at my wife and I was like, God, I do not want to go back and be back in high school taking these classes. <laughs> Luckily, my daughter wasn't home to hear me say that. But I was like, man, I was like, some of this stuff was terrible. So but my you know. dad's my dad was a surgeon and he looked at my biology book when I was in high school and he was just like, what the hell is this? I mean, you should know. He was just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not pining for those days again, but I, you could, you could convince me to, uh, you convince me to go back to IU for sure. So, all right, cool. Well, we got to most, but not all the questions in our hour and a half. So we, uh, we got a few that we can keep in the, in the holster for a future date, but, uh, Galen always, uh, appreciate yeah, you coming thanks. on. Thanks so much. Thanks it was good talking on, to you. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Cool. We should just do this without the show. Just do some Zoom calls and you know, yeah, right, yeah. We should just have a food podcast. You know, uh, I mean, uh, Jay. Jay, uh, I know a lady been, who can be a guest. <laughs> it's uh, hey, I, let's make it happen. You know, I mean, Jay, Jay's been after me to start the uh, Crimson Craft. Uh, you know, our boutique podcast that focuses on craft beer. So we might as well have one on food. We were doing some food podcasts over the course of uh, the early part of the quarantine. So, hey, maybe we'll bring those back. True, true. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us. Uh, some thanks, some combination of folks will be back on Sunday. I know I have a basketball game to coach, so I won't be able to uh, to be there. Ryan is covering the Super Bowl, and uh, so I think Jared's working on – Lining some folks up, so someone. I'm going to send Scott back. Okay, absolutely, so. absolutely. So uh, they're working to get that lined up. So somebody will be there after the uh, Iowa game on Sunday. And thanks everybody, and uh, stay safe. And uh, Galen, stay warm. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye guys. Yep. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger—they're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery: the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. 
Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.